0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have Suzanne Evans with us, who's the founder of Driven Inc. Now, that's an organization where she reaches out and coaches people on what they need to do in order to reach what they're after. So having said that, let's bring Suzanne in, and in her own words, we'll learn who she is and what she does. So Suzanne, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. I'm Suzanne Evans. As you said, I'm the founder of Driven Inc, which is a um, business coaching and consulting company for solopreneurs and entrepreneurs launching and growing their businesses uh, very much in alignment with what this podcast is about. A lot of them falling into something that they are doing or having a hobby that then leads to starting a business or a happy accident um, that makes them an entrepreneur. And about uh, 11 years ago, I was a secretary in the Broadway theater industry making about $45,000 a year. I wanted to do something different, wanted to use some of my hobbies and, and talents and skills to do something. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, no clue, um, but jumped in and started this business as a side hustle while working a 60 hour a week day job. Grew it to six figures in a year and grew it to uh, seven figures in under three years. And here we are now. I've been on the New York Times at bestseller list, number five on the New York Times bestseller list. With my book, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Um, we have about twenty full-time employees, and we love supporting, coaching, consulting, and helping entrepreneurs to take their talents, their skill sets, their hobbies, their passions, their happy accidents, and monetize them for business success.
0: That's pretty awesome, Suzanne. So let's go back to where when you started. How, how long has it been since you started this company?
1: It's about our twelfth year in business.
0: Awesome. So when you were uh, a secretary, what kind of prompted you to go and look out for something different?
1: You know, I was in an industry that was fascinating. It was the Broadway theater industry, but um, it's like all... uh, arts industries, uh, it, fascinating, but you don't make a lot of money. And I also just knew that I wanted to do something that gave me my own freedom, my own flexibility, my own ability to earn whatever I wanted to earn. Um, And so I got what I call the itch. And I think people who are entrepreneurial in spirit get that itch. And so I started going, what would I I mean, I explored everything from being a therapist to being, uh, you know, to all kinds of things, um, and landed on coaching, um, because it was it fit some of my natural skill set. It was some of what I already, I think I find a lot of businesses that get started, it's things that people were already doing, they just weren't being paid for it. Um, And that was what happened in my case. So I just really wanted the autonomy over my own uh, life and schedule and bank account. And that's what really inspired me to look at starting my own business.
0: So you mentioned that, you know, once you started, um, you know, you hit your uh, six figures in about a year, right? How did that happen? You know, did you, were you conscious uh, in terms of what you wanted to do when you started with Driven Inc or was it more of uh, stumbling across a few things before you got oh, there? It
1: was, I would say it wasn't stumbling. It was tripping and backflipping. And <laughs> um, while, first of all, the business wasn't even the, that name then, right? We've gone through a couple of rebrands because that's also what happens as you grow. But I really just wanted to replace my income. Right. If I could replace my income doing my own thing, I would be thrilled. Um, Here's what I knew. I didn't know what I was doing, but I kind of knew what not to do. Um, just from some common sense and and my parents, uh, my dad's a seventh generation farmer, and owned a hardware store. so you know, I, I say farmers were the original entrepreneurs. Um, and I knew that you just had to be everywhere. I knew you had to get in front of people. So I wasn't exactly sure how to do it or what to do. But I said, if I can find every possible way to get in front of people, There there has to be some momentum that's created. So because I was working a full-time job on nights and weekends, I would book these speaking gigs and I would book speaking gigs sometimes with six people in a room and sometimes with 50 or 60 people in a room, but I didn't care where I would go. I was living in New York city at the time. So I would drive to New Jersey. I would drive to Connecticut. I would, you know, on a Saturday, get up and go somewhere. And I was like, I know that there's a compounding effect. So the more people you can get in front of, the more opportunity you have to make money. Um, And so that's really where I put all my effort was how much exposure can I create for myself in the limited amount of time I have only doing this kind of on, on nights and weekends. And so I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew you don't build it and they will come. That I knew. I knew that that was a a bad movie line, right? (laughs) And I was like, I know, because I was seeing a lot of people around me build things and wait for people to come and going back and getting jobs. Um, And so I knew that I I had to do it messy. I had to do it anyway. I remember kind of writing something in one of my notebooks early on that said, if you're willing to make a fool of yourself, this is all going to work out. So I would go anywhere, talk to anybody, get in front of anybody because I knew something would catch and it's no different than farming, which came from my dad. You're never going to have a tomato grow if you don't plant the seed. So I just knew I had to plant seeds, plant seeds, plant seeds, and some would die and some would grow, but that's how you're going to bear fruit.
0: So, you know, you, you mentioned speaking gigs, when did you turn your first dollar? You know, what did you do in order to turn your first dollar?
1: It was speaking. So, I well, it, that's not true. I, I, I always tell people if you're just starting out and you're going to be in a business that is a service-based business, like you're going to be in a consulting business or an education business or a coaching business or a, anything that's kind of service-based. Um, the first thing I did was reached out to everyone I had ever known in my life and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And this is how I can help people. And do you know somebody I can help? And so sending out an email, and I always say there's three categories. There's the A, B, and C. A is like, you send it to people who wouldn't care if you wrote and said, hey, I'm going to ride monkeys naked through the woods. They'd be like, you do it, Suzanne. You're always (laughs) been the best at this. And then my B category was people that was like, oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. My C category people were like, People you're afraid to send it to, and I kind of did it in that order. But again, it's about exposure. So I was like, "This is what I'm doing. This is how you could help me. This is the problem I solve." You know, getting clear about the problem you solve is the number one business thing you need to do. So I did that first. Second of all, I I started the speaking piece, um, and so I got. Um, I always say you're not in business until you have someone pay you. So the first two clients I had paid me hundred bucks a month, 50 bucks. I mean, it was nothing, but it got me in business. And then from there, as I would, as I would go out and I would speak, I would be very clear about the problem I solved. And I would say, do you need help solving this problem? Let's jump on a call and let's, let's talk about it. Let's work it out. Let me see what I can do to support you. And from those conversations, I would then offer my coaching services and I was making, um, You know, it takes a couple of months to even just get your ducks in a row, but I was making money in the third or fourth month. And by the sixth month, I was bringing in four ish, probably $5,000 a month, which was as much as I was making in my day job. But again, it all, I knew it was that compounding exposure.
0: Awesome. So now that you've been on a journey for 12 years, um, what all do you offer under the driven umbrella?
1: Yeah. So we have a few uh, coaching, right? Business coaching is the core of everything we do. So we have driven business school, which is basically a, uh, we call it a usable uh, profitable MBA (laughs) in a year. And that's our business coaching and training program. And then we also have the speaking side of our business where we coach and train speakers to use speaking to either create a speaking career or to use speaking like I did to build my business. And I still probably get 70-ish percent of my business from speaking. And now that speaking nowadays can be everything from on a stage to speaking on a podcast to um, speaking on a Facebook Live. So it can be a combination of ways and places that we're speaking. But those are pretty much the divisions of our business. And then we have different levels within those divisions.
0: All right. So let's talk about your your, uh, writing career. Uh, when did you write first and what was your journey becoming a New York Times bestseller?
1: Yeah, so I hate writing. (laughs) I don't really like to write. I'm a speaker, but I've learned over the years um, just go out and speak, and I try to record everything I do, and then I can turn that into writing. Right. So if you're someone who, who you're like me who prefers to talk over write, I just talk and then capture that and turn it into writing. So I'd written a couple of self published books before um, the book, the way you do anything is the way you do everything, and then um, had a publisher pick that up and. I got on the New York Times bestseller list the way we've done every launch. We've done, um, uh, you know, every event we've ever filled all of it. I went, okay, somebody tell me what I need to do to hit the New York Times bestseller. How many do I need to sell? Where do I need to sell them? How fast do I need to sell them? And then we just reverse engineer that process over a period of 90 days, 90 to 120 days to make that happen. Um, One of the things people don't really know about the publishing world is they think, oh, you get a publisher and then you can get on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list in the New York Times. No, publishers now only publish people who can get themselves on lists. So you have to be a phenomenal marketer. You need to be building a following, whether it's through social or it's in your own database or whatever that looks like, because they are looking to publish people who actually have built their own. Bottom line is is that we reverse engineered that. Um, we sold about 17,000 books in a, in a very um, short amount of time and, uh, and landed number five.
0: Awesome. So, you know, in terms of uh, the clients that you serve, what kind of challenges do they come to you with?
1: number one is always make more money, right? It's always, uh, income, uh, generation, uh, consistency. Um, but we always, you know, most people don't come to me with this, but the issue with making more money or income generation is going to be twofold. It's going to be a sales issue and a leads issue. So how is your sales systems? How, how are you at selling? Where are you getting your leads from? How many leads do you have? The pipeline always has to be full and you have to be able to convert them. So typically people are coming to us to make more money, to get more clients, to grow their revenue, to grow their bottom line in their business. But that means we have to work with them on that. But also, you know, that those those are the symptoms and we kind of have to work at the, the core issue, which is typically leads and sales.
0: And in terms of... Uh... In terms of the ROI that they're looking for, how how do you measure it, or how do they measure it?
1: More money, right? And, and in the beginning, it's not the more money you keep. In the first three years, you're not going to keep a lot of money. You need to put it all back into marketing. You need to put it all back into uh, lead gen and um, and opportunity and exposure and all of that. And so it shifts how you measure an ROI. In the beginning, an ROI is measured around sales. It's it's measured around your gross income, like how many clients are you getting in the door? How many conversions are you making? What are you selling them? And then it will start to shift into um, uh, the packaging and the level of selling, because in the beginning, you'll probably start with lower level packages and have to sell more. And then as you grow with your sales acumen, You'll probably shift what you're offering so that it's less work for you um, and you can generate more revenue. And then it's going to shift into how much money are you keeping? Because at the end, end, end of a business day, it's really about how much money you're keeping, what is your profits, right? Because if you're making 100000 and you're uh, spending 101000 that may be okay for a short amount of time because you're building the business and you're growing it. But if that's forever, then you're not in a sustainable, profitable business. So the, the yardstick changes depending on what level of business you're in and what you're growing and also what your end game is because um, you know as we know Amazon doesn't really say they make a profit right i mean they're uh, you know trillion billion quadrillion as my five year old would say a zillion dollar company but some of these really large companies right that that's not necessarily the, the mo and also there's companies that are being built that will stay uh, they'll generate revenue, but they won't stay. Um, they're not profitable because they are building to sell, right? They're building to sell. And so there may be a longer time for that. So sorry. I mean, I could kind of talk about that for days, but the yardstick will change depending on who you are, what you're trying to accomplish as your end game, and what level of business you're in.
0: Is, is it generally solopreneurs that you're working with or are there other kinds of businesses too?
1: Um, it's, it's typically... Um, service-based businesses with under 10 employees. Um, we, we really focus on uh, organizations, businesses, and individuals Who are in consulting, they are in coaching, they are chiropractors, they are attorneys, um, they are um, healthcare, you know, maybe something in the healthcare field, a nutritionist, a therapist, you know, somebody who's not going to probably have much more than 10 employees. Now, we obviously have people that fall outside those norms, but we're really looking for people who provide a service. We don't work with manufacturing, right? We we don't work with um, a lot of retail, but it's someone who provides a service and is growing a, um, you know, it can be a multi, multi-million dollar company, but the core of their team is going to stay small and what they offer is service-based.
0: You know, how much is uh, technology in the mix? You know, especially for solopreneurs, one thing that I've noticed is those that are creative by nature have a tough time generally pulling together an understanding of, mm-hmm. you know, all the different technology pieces that need to come together, whether it's funnels or bots and stuff like that. So what's your take on that?
1: Yeah. Well, bottom line is, is that um, technology is a necessary evil. Um, I really still work with my clients to be high touch um, more than high tech um, because in the service-based world that still works. But um, bottom line is, is that you have, we have such access to things that 12 years ago when I was starting out, you don't even access to. I mean, Instagram is free. Facebook is free. Now, not when you're running ads, but I'm just talking about as a social platform. LinkedIn is free. So there's so much opportunity to put your content out there um, to be seen. You know, we see YouTube stars that, that become stars overnight because it's a free platform that you can get exposure on. That being said, there's also a lot of complication to those platforms when you get into funnels and you get into ads and you get into running ads. So you have to be really careful because I also see a lot of start-off entrepreneurs go, I'm gonna run ads and I'm gonna, it's expensive to run ads. And if you don't have your business built with the problem you solve and your um, call to actions and your offerings, right? You spend a lot of money on ads that go nowhere. So I think it can be really tricky for the beginning entrepreneur. Um, I suggest people don't spend a lot of money on tech in the beginning. They use all of the technology that's accessible and available and that you can get exposure from. But you really want to establish your, um, your unique selling proposition. You want to establish your uh, offers and call to actions. You want to establish your point of view and your brand. All of those things you want in place before you start throwing a lot of money at uh, leveraging those because you can get the feedback you need to get can be free. If you are putting yourself out into the marketplace and connecting with people.
0: Awesome. And how do your clients find you?
1: a couple of mainly events we do a lot of events so I'll do what I'm doing here with you on this wonderful podcast and we'll share about who we are and what we do in the events that we run and then um, they will join us at one of our events and from there uh, be coached by us and connect with us um, over a three day period and then we'll roll into um, people who want to continue with us for many many years so uh, mainly it is uh, speaking whether it's on a podcast platform or a Facebook live platform or a stage virtual or in person and and then coming to join us at one of our events
0: so these are your events you arrange them is yes. that it? Yes, okay correct and then how do you gather the audience for that social media and stuff
1: uh, well mainly speaking as i said, just like what i'm doing right here so we do use some social media but it is not our primary way of filling events our primary way of filling events is me getting on a virtual or in-person stage
0: all right awesome in terms of uh you know um trying to kind of package your services. Can you, for the listeners, list out what all they can uh, come to you for?
1: Yes, well, they can come to us for business coaching and consulting, whether they are just starting out or whether they are further along and they're looking to grow their revenue. Um, They can come to us for speaking um, if they are looking to start or excel their speaking career or use speaking to grow their business. But mainly we'd love for them to come to um, our event. And our next event is in November um, and it is November the uh, 17th through the 19th. It's a virtual event. So you don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to worry about oh, do I feel comfortable going somewhere yet? It's totally virtual. I also say you don't have to eat a, mar- a lousy Marriott Cobb salad. Um, and also, you um, it, it, it's it just it saves you time and money too, right? So you can be with us in person for three days. It's called Take the Stage. Um, it's our three day event, and there's an afterglow experience that you'll be able to be a part of as well, a pre mastermind experience that you'll get to be a part of. And I've been running these events for for 12 years. Um, And typically they uh we have people come anywhere from $497 to $997, but we've um as it, in the virtual sense, we've been able to scale and have a lot more people join us. There's usually between 800 and thousand people. So the networking is off the charts to connect with other entrepreneurs. And we also have a special offer just for your listeners, which is DrivenSpecialOffer.com, where you can join us for $67. So getting a, um, a killer deal, an opportunity to spend three days, to learn how to create packages and programs and all the business aspects and speaking and how to use speaking to grow your business. And really to see how I went from a secretary to a $6 million business, really using virtual and in-person speaking in a multitude of different platforms to do that so if you go to driven offer.com you can join us and we also I think have a, a bonus for the first five of you who do say yes and join us from this podcast and um, we're also going to give you a private one-on-one session with one of our um, multi-six-figure coaches to really outline for you what it could look like to immediately use speaking to get some new clients and customers and get um, exposure really quickly so driven special offer and we'd love to spend three days with you.
0: That's pretty awesome. Can you, can you talk us through your book?
1: Yes. Um, The book is, you know, the title being the way you do anything is the way you do everything. The philosophy is um, you know, how you're showing up in your marriage is how you're showing up in your business. Um, How you're showing up in your bank account is how you're showing up in your life. And so once you kind of take this philosophy on, it kind of ruins your life. (laughs) <laughs> because you realize, uh, you know, where are my consistencies? Where are my inconsistencies? Um, why do I avoid this? But I put all of the effort here. And what does that all look like? So the entire book is about accountability um, and commitment. And, you know, I have a five-year-old son and we talk to him a lot. It, it's kind of funny. We, this summer, we have a summer home in Maine and he gets ice cream and we joke and we say, do you want a cup or a cone? And when he says he want he wants a cone, we say a cone is a commitment. You got to lick fast or it's going to melt. And as we're talking about that, we talk about this concept of commitment needs, following through no matter what, right? Feelings will mess you up when it comes to commitments. If you follow your feelings, you'll never get anything done. The true definition of commitment is doing things even when you don't feel like doing them, right? Marriages are about coming home when you're in love and when you're not in love. And businesses are about picking up the phone and making sales calls when you're in love and when you're not in love. So the book is really about commitments and where you're showing up and how you're showing up.
0: That's pretty awesome. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
1: Yes, thank you. You can reach out to help at Driven Inc. And that's I-N-C like incorporated. Help at DrivenInc.com. Also, you can call us at 866-670-4525. 866-670-4525. And then if you want to join us for three days, you can grab that at DrivenSpecialOffer.com.
0: That's pretty awesome. Thank you so much, Suzanne. This has been, you. Uh, uh, you know, it's been inspiring to learn about your story and uh, what you're doing for a lot more aspiring entrepreneurs that are out there. Before I let you go, one takeaway for the listeners anything you'd like to share?
1: Um, yeah, I would say do what you know will get you a result, not what you feel like doing. Awesome.
0: That's, <laughs> I think that's profound. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure.